You're listening to the Hog Beat Hour with Andrew Hutchinson, Alex Trader, and Mason Choate on ESPN Arkansas on HitThatLine.com. Now, here's your host, Mason Choate. Welcome to the Hog Beat Hour. I'm your host, Mason Choate, joined by Andrew Hutchinson and Alex Trader. As always, uh, we're the Hog Beat crew here to give you the Hog Beat Hour. And before we get started, I just want to remind you it is hogbeat.com, H A W G Beat, B E A T.com. Go check it out and uh, subscribe because you don't want to miss out on all the great content that we've got. We've hit the we've hit the overlap hutch of spring football, baseball, and basketball. So that means that you're going to be getting the best content on all of your favorite sports for the Razorbacks over at hogbeat.com. And uh, Hutch, student deal still going on? Yeah, it is. If uh, you're a student at the U of A or any other college uh, where you have a .edu email address, uh, shoot me an email at andrewhutchinson413 at gmail.com. And I will hook you up for your first year of Hogbeat for just eleven ninety five. That's usually about a hundred dollars, uh, so that that's a pretty good deal. And uh, if you're a college student, I know trying to save money wherever you can, and you still want great coverage of the Razorbacks, well, there's your chance right there. So uh, hit me up, and I'll I'll get you hooked up. That is uh, worth your money. And uh, also go over to the Hogbeat YouTube, hit subscribe there, and uh, put a like on. If you're watching this on YouTube right now, give a like on it. Um, that definitely helps out as well. So, all right, guys, spring football starting this weekend. Hutch, you've had your burning question series going for, for spring ball. I know your most recent one was on Tuesday about how how's Arkansas going to replace Traylon Burks. So um, we can get into that. But just to start a spring football, what are you looking forward to? What do you think is going to happen? Just go ahead and break that down. Yeah, I mean, it's an exciting time because it's our first look at the, the 2022 Razorbacks. You know, we know that 2021 was a really successful year, top 25, nine wins, Outback Bowl win, uh, just a, a really exciting time for Arkansas football. Uh, but there are some questions, you know, it, it's trending up, but we still got to figure out, you know, one of my, my first burning question, I think we talked about it before, is who's going to be at left tackle? You know, Myron Cunningham is gone. How are they going to fill Traylon Burks' shoes? Which I think is maybe even a bigger question because you can make the case that Traylon Burks was the the best wide receiver in school history, and I would I would argue for that. Um, and so you're probably not going to get one guy step up and be that dude. I know everyone's pointing to Jaden Hazelwood, the former five star recruit transfer from Oklahoma, is like, hey, that could be him. I, I'm not I'm not convinced yet. I mean, I want to see what he looks like in spring ball. I want to see how he you know kind of develops that chemistry with KJ Jefferson. I think that's one reason Burks and, and KJ were so good last year was they just had that connection. Uh, so who, or who else is going to be that guy? I mean, Warren Thompson had some flashes, but he also had some drops. Uh, you have Keetron Jackson that, that played a lot last year, but didn't exactly have a lot of production. Uh, just, I mean, he's a true freshman last year. And that's another, you know, top, you know, rivals 250 guy. Uh, you've got uh, also you got the the incoming guys. Uh, only only one of them are going to be here though, and that's Quincy McAdoo, an in-state four-star rivals 250. I mean, there's a common theme here. They've got a lot of talent, you know, these top 250 recruits, but none of them have really been proven at the college level, and you know, for a to be the guy. I mean, they, there's been some complimentary pieces here and there. Uh, but we don't know who that who's going to step up and, and fill those shoes from from Traylon Burks. So uh, that's kind of stuff you want to hopefully you can get figured out during spring ball, and that that starts on Sunday. Uh, I'm curious. This is a question that I always have in my head uh, right right now going into spring ball is what's the running back position going to look like? Who because you don't have your your Traylon Smith there anymore. So who's I mean I feel like it's probably going to be Dominic Johnson leading the running back room based off of how the season ended, but I mean, you've still got AJ green. You still got rocket Sanders. I know that they've talked about maybe moving one of those guys, to wide receiver, but Hutch, what do you think about the running back room? And Alex, if you have any opinions on that as well, you can get in and on it. Yeah. So, I mean, they've, they've got a wealth of running back talent. I mean, we we've seen all three of those guys have looked really good. I mean, there's a reason Arkansas, you know, was I think the led the FBS in terms of rushing yards per game uh, or led the group of power five teams in that. I think they were top five or something like that overall. 
that that's impressive whenever you don't have a 1000 yard running back obviously kj running like he does helps uh but dominic johnson really good physical running back uh you've got rocket sanders who has you know, a little bit of physicality to him maybe a little bit more home run ability uh than, than dominic and then you've got aj green who if he gets a crease he's gone he's got that speed that track speed uh, then you add a guy like Prashad Dabinian, uh, incoming freshman, four-star guy. You've got James Jointer, freshman, coming in. They're both going to be here during spring. So it, it's going to be interesting to see how they divide up those those snaps, those carries, because they've got a lot of guys. And, and I, I still don't know if they're going to have a 1,000-yard rusher in 2022, and I don't necessarily think that's a bad thing because you keep all those guys fresh. I mean, could you imagine having a fresh Dominique Johnson running at a worn-down defense in the fourth quarter? I like Arkansas' chances with that. Yeah. Go ahead, Alex. Yeah, no, I, I was just going to piggyback on that last point there. I, if you did it by committee last year and you saw the SEC's leading rushing offense, and, and not only that, but also you're seeing guys come in and say, hey, I can get that top-level production, get that recognition on, on the national stage, and still be fresh whenever it comes time for me to, to potentially go to the next level. That's a deal that you're going to take with running backs and and – you obviously want to make sure you're winning the games first, but if you can help yourself in recruiting while doing that as well, and give yourself another feather in the cap, that's a major point for you to have as a staff. So I think they're like Hutch said, they're definitely going to go with the, if it's not broke, don't fix it uh, approach this year and continue that committee. I do think it is interesting though, how, how with Traylon Smith gone, is there going to be a, another head coming onto that monster of rocket Sanders and Dom Johnson and AJ green, or are they just going to leave those three alone? Let the younger guys develop and see what happens there. Alex, I'm going to let you go back to back. Cause I want to ask you about some of the newcomers, maybe a freshman, maybe a transfer, uh, leave Hazelwood out of it. Cause we've already mentioned him, but who are you looking forward to seeing the most here in spring ball uh, of the newcomers? Um, I, I think the, the skilled positions are really interesting this year. I think, like like Hutch said, Quincy McAdoo is a guy who, who could potentially break through. The linebacker room is also going to be really interesting, seeing if Jordan Crook's able to kind of make an impact without a, a whole lot of experience at that position group. Um, offensive line, I think I – don't, I don't know that he has a chance of starting as a freshman, but I know – that, that Sam Pittman's very, very excited about Andrew Chambly. You've got a, a massive, massive freshman coming in in, in Amari and Harris. So I, I think there's definitely a wealth of talent to look at. Um, I, I'll probably have to go with Jordan Crook at the linebacker position just because there is so much uncertainty there as is that he really could, you know, with a strong spring, make a push to, to be a contributor in, in his freshman season. All right. Um, Hutch, before we move on to pro day, just give us give us kind of a rundown of the so spring football starts on Sunday. Do you do we know anything else of the schedule, like practice schedules moving forward from there? Yeah, so first practice is on Sunday, and then they're also going to practice on Tuesday and Wednesday of this week, and then you've got spring break. So they're going to get like a full week off, and then once they get back from spring break, they're going to go Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday, uh, for I guess four more weeks and uh, you've got the spring. Well, so here, here's the deal with the spring game. You're not going to get a traditional red, white spring game this year. Uh, it's a little bit weird, unique, uh, different. Uh, April 16th, they're going to have an open practice. That's going to basically serve as a spring game. That's when they're having all the recruits come. That's when they're going to let all the fans in. They're going to scrimmage that day, uh, but it's probably not going to be your traditional, you know, red team versus white team. Let's keep a score that kind of thing. Uh, it's going to be just your basic scrimmage, like what sometimes the media gets to watch. And you're going to see, you know, the ones versus the twos, the twos versus the ones, maybe a little bit of one-on-ones, twos on twos, threes on threes. You're going to get probably some situational work, you know, third long, uh, you know, red zone, deep red zone, things like that. Uh, but the reason that is, is because they're they originally going to schedule to, to complete spring ball on the 23rd. Well, your stadium's going to be occupied by a, game, by a guy named Garth Brooks that day. Uh, he kind of takes precedent, I guess, with that, that concert uh, at Razorback Stadium. Uh, so I, I believe, based on my conversations I had at Pro Day, I think they're actually going to conclude spring ball on that Friday because they got to get out of their facilities 
So that way all the Garth Brooks concert people can get everything set up on that day. So that's why you're going to have kind of your spring game on a Saturday, and then you still have three practices after that. That's a little bit unique. I know uh, under Chad Morris, I know we don't like to talk about him, but they had, you know, they'd have the spring game and then one more practice to kind of like go through a walkthrough and like make corrections or whatever after it. But three practices after it, that's a little bit unique. Uh, and also probably why they're not doing a full-blown red-white game on the 16th. So it's a little bit of a weird kind of schedule, but, yeah, that's kind of how it's going to lay out. You know, 15 practices total, uh, basically starting Sunday, going through the 22nd or 23rd of April. All right. Sounds good. Glad we got that out there. Now we got to talk. So Arkansas had its pro day this week. Um, I feel like a lot of times – um, people, including myself, read in too much to the numbers that come from the pro days and the NFL combine. Um, a lot of people freaked out that Traylon Burks only ran a 4.55, only a 4.55, because everybody thought, I guess, he was 4.4 or something. Uh, but you get from him, like, go watch my tape. And you can go listen to his interviews and every all, everybody else who took took part at Arkansas's pro day all of their interviews are over at hogbead.com plus some film as well um, that Hutch was able to get. But go check that out. But let's just talk about it, Hutch. Give us your, your big takeaways from Pro Day, some stuff that you like, some stuff you didn't like, I guess. I know a lot of people were freaking out that Burks had 12 reps on the bench, but another thing, like you're probably reading into it too much. Yeah, if you're not going to draft Traylon Burks just because he ran a 4.55 or did 12 reps in the bench press or whatever – then you're an idiot. And that's probably why you're picking high in the draft every year because Traylon Burks is an incredible wide receiver. I, I, I would go, I would take him over pretty much everybody. I know Alex may, you know, feel differently about a handful of guys, but to me, he's a surefire first round draft pick and he's going to contribute immediately as a rookie. And if you've got a, you know, if you've got a quarterback and you need somebody for him to throw it to, I think Traylon Burks is the guy. And uh, so I, I, I fully think he's, he's fine. I, I don't, regardless of what he does in the combine or, you know, he, he plays football. Uh, but aside from him, you know, he's the headliner. Uh, I thought Grant Morgan had a really nice pro day. He put up some good numbers. You know, he told us, he's like, hey, I'm, I'm not a four or five guy. So you're not going to see me go run super fast. I think he said it was somewhere in the high four sevens, low four eights. Uh, but he did do well in the vertical. Um, and he was only like an inch and a half, you know, smaller vertical than Traylon Burks, which surprised me. I did not realize he was that athletic. Uh, he had a solid broad jump. He did really good in the, the, the bench press. I think he had like 21 reps or something. Uh, I think he's given himself a chance. I don't, I don't think he's going to get drafted, but I think he's going to be one of those guys that gets a call as soon as the draft ends and, and gets an undrafted free agent uh, spot and gets to kind of pick where he goes. Uh, and I, I think he's going to have a chance to, to stick, you know, whether it be on a practice squad, something like that. You know, I think Tyson Morris had a really good, you know, showing as far as, you know, his testing and stuff. Um, again, I don't see him getting drafted by any means or even maybe sticking on an NFL roster, but he's given himself a chance to get invited to a camp and, that's what you got to do at these pro days is just impress the team enough to where they invite you to come out and get a chance. Uh, so uh, I think those two guys maybe were the guys that stood out to me uh, at, at pro day. Yeah. I was kind of going to piggyback off that and ask Alex um, of these guys, aside from Burks, obviously, and now probably Morgan and Morris, is there a guy that you look at from Arkansas, maybe the way he, he performed at Pro Day. We know that they also had a couple other guys at the Combine, but any of these guys that you think might have a chance of getting drafted? We know Burks is going to get drafted, but, I mean, you still got John Ridgway, Trey Williams. I'm, I don't know how often um, a long snapper gets drafted, but Jordan Silver. I mean, Hutch has a story about that somewhere. Go find that, but Alex, go ahead. Yeah, I, I think you, you hit it with those two guys. Is uh, John Ridgway is, is someone who – showed what he's able to do at Arkansas this season, did it at, um, I believe it was, it was Southern Illinois or Illinois state. It was Illinois state did it there at the FCS level was able to, to translate that over to D one sec football at Arkansas. And I think you are probably going to be able to see him translate that again uh, to the NFL. So I think he's definitely someone that's worth taking a flyer on. 
um, if you're an NFL team, maybe not, you know, not a first round pick, maybe not a first or second day pick, but, but definitely someone who in those late rounds is worth definitely taking a look at. Um, as far as the pro day goes, I, I was kind of wrapped up with tests and, and some other things um, being, being a student, you know, but um, I, I think, you know, like Hutch said, there are some athletes on this Arkansas team and maybe you didn't necessarily see that same level of production shine through in years past. So, so it'll be really interesting to see how Arkansas is perceived as far as those undrafted free agent deals go um, now compared to what they were maybe a couple of years ago under a, a certain other coaching staff. And I'm also going to add on to that in that sometimes you just never know what's going to happen. You know, a, a guy that comes to mind is Randy Ramsey. He's a guy that was, I, I watched him every year in spring practice and he was just incredible as a linebacker. Uh, they moved him a little bit to play some defensive end. I mean, he, they moved him all over the place and like, I was like, man, this guy is really good. And he would never produce in, in the season. They, they couldn't get him on the field. Uh, it was just really weird, but he, he had a good pro day, tested well, got a chance, I believe with the Packers stuck with the practice squad and he's ended up, he's been called up to the 53 man roster a handful of times. And that's a guy that was an undrafted free agent who no one really, I mean, he didn't really have a productive, like, you know, everyone Scooter Harris is another guy, but he actually had a really good productive, you know, second team, all sec multiple times kind of career. Rainy Ramsey did not do that. He hardly played. And yet here he is, you know, making, you know, making a roster and, and being able to play on Sundays you know, not a start or anything, but that shows you that there's a path for some of these guys to maybe do that at the next level. So uh, I'm, I'm anxious to see if anyone does something similar to that based on, you know, a really good showing at their pro day. All right. Well, we got to wrap this segment up. Up next, we're going to talk about some football recruiting. Uh, Hogs landed a couple commits, also junior days last weekend and this weekend, I believe. Um, and so we're going to talk about that. Then we're going to talk a little bit of basketball and get you set for the SEC tournament. And then we're going to talk some baseball, but it's a little awkward because we record this on Thursday and they play on Thursday. But we'll get to all that um, later here on the Hogbeat Hour. You're listening to the Hogbeat Hour with Andrew Hutchinson, Alex Trader, and Mason Choate on ESPN Arkansas on HitThatLine.com. Now, here's your host, Mason Choate. Welcome back to the Hogbeat Hour. Mason Choate, Andrew Hutchinson, and Alex Trader with you. Arkansas gets some commits in football, so it was a it was a slow season for a little bit. Now, uh, it seems like all in all in one week, everything's starting to ramp back up. They get some commits. They had junior days, spring football starting. But let's talk about these commits. Hutch, I'll bring you in on uh, Jordan Dominic, the transfer from Georgia Tech, and then they also got the four star linebacker uh, Dean Carson Dean. But Hutch, just tell us about Jordan Dominic. He's a defensive end. Arkansas needed some guys on the D-line, so this should probably help out. Yeah, apparently they are, are still looking for some pass rushers uh, to add to the, the defense. Uh, we all kind of speculated they were going to definitely go after some you know defensive tackles, shore up the middle of that defensive line, uh, but they went after this Jordan Dominic kid. He was the first one – or Arkansas was the first one to offer him as soon as he popped up in the portal – uh, but he quickly got some other big-time Power 5 offers. I mean, Michigan State, uh, Nebraska, Auburn, uh, several others. Uh, and he, he told – you know, he visited – officially visited Arkansas. He was the first – Arkansas was the first school that he visited. Uh, and it was over this past weekend. And when we talked to him afterward, he said, you know, it was a great visit. You know, it sounded really encouraging. But he said, you know, I'm going to visit Auburn next weekend. And the next thing you know, 24 hours later – uh, he tweets out, you know, woo, and then another tweet, pig, and then another tweet, suey, and committed to Arkansas uh, on the spot. You know, obviously not going to visit Auburn anymore. Uh, based on what I've seen from Auburn fans, they're pretty upset that they didn't even get a visit from them because they lost a ton of defensive linemen uh, through the transfer portal. And he was a guy that they were really kind of looking at, you know, you know getting in and, and helping them. So even if he doesn't play at Arkansas, you hurt your opponent by, by keeping him from going there. Uh, but I think he's going to be a guy that contributes. He's, uh, he's going to be a fifth-year uh, senior guy, but he could also play another year, a sixth year, if he uh, gets his uh, – if he uses the, uh, the COVID year. Um, but he, he's a guy that has, has proven track record. Uh, he's not like a, you know all-conference caliber guy, but he's a guy that has started at Georgia Tech you know, in the ACC – 
He's put up decent stats, graded out, you know, okay from uh, Pro Football Focus. Uh, so he's a guy that I think they're counting on coming in uh, in May. He's not going to be here during spring, obviously, since he just committed and the semester is well underway. Uh, but he's supposed to get here in May, uh, and he's going to join the team. And I think he's going to compete, you know, for a, a starting spot like we did we saw last year with you know Trey Williams, John Ridgeway, and Mark Helletsy coming in during the summer. They they came in and competed and uh, were able to start. So that's what I expect from Jordan Dominic. Uh, Arkansas also got a commit from four-star linebacker Carson Dean, uh, third four-star prospect for Arkansas in the 2023 class. Let's see. He committed after coming to Georgia or junior days, Alex. And um, tell us about him. Did you did you see him? Did you get to talk to him? And what do you just know about Carson Dean? Yeah, unfortunately, I wasn't able to talk to him. And um, he picked up his offer Saturday. So so it didn't take him long after grabbing that to, to make the decision to come to Arkansas. Kind of came out of nowhere. I think Thursday, even last week on the podcast, uh, me and Hutch both said, like, hey, in the first round of junior days, we had commit, 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 back to back to back from Haz and, and Caleb James and Everett Rousseau. And we weren't expecting that this time around. I don't know that there was anyone on the radar of committing. And, and then just like that, you have you have Carson Dean coming in. Second linebacker commit joins Everett Rousseau on that defensive uh, position group. Um, had offers from, from just about everyone in Texas, Baylor, uh, Houston, uh, as well as TCU, SMU, and Texas and Texas Tech. So beating out Texas Tech was a big one there, considering what they just did with, with a, um, a big-time safety product uh, prospect that Arkansas was looking at. I think it's a massive get for the defense, not necessarily inside that Rivals 250 group um, with the updated rankings right now, but 14th outside linebacker in the country, you're certainly not going to complain about that. So as far as junior days last weekend went, just give us some takeaways that you had, Alex, because I know that you were covering that. Yeah, uh, the staff sent out, they were pretty liberal with the offers, were able to give out a, a couple of, of big-time offers on the offensive line and Luke Brown and Joe Crocker. Um, hosted two of, of the prospects who we saw were rated in the top three for, for the 2024 class and Ryan Wingo and Colin Simmons. Um, and both of them were very, very uh, happy with the way that their visit went um, from talking to them. We were able to, to kind of gather that, you know, Simmons, I, he, he said Arkansas is currently in his top five. So that's that's a massive bit of news for one of the top prospects in the 2024 class um, out of Duncanville, too. So you have that pipeline pipeline with Jordan Crook, um, as well as, you know, having a ton of offers coming or going to Duncanville uh, over the last couple of years. Um, and, and then I think the biggest uh, takeaway that, that was kind of expected um, with Trey on Webb being scheduled to come to town didn't happen because he, he needed to reschedule that. But Arkansas did land an official visit on his schedule. So I think that, you know, it is pretty telling that, that even though he wasn't able to make it this weekend, he, he planned out an official visit for, for um, I believe it's in June. Uh, Hutch, you can correct me if I'm wrong on that one. Go ahead. Yeah, yeah, he's coming in in June. Uh, I believe that's and it's a, a, an official visit, as you said. So that, that's, a, that's a big one to be looking forward to. All right. Also, <clears throat> this Saturday, there's also going to be some prospects on campus. Hutch, you've put together a list over at hogbeat.com. Maybe highlight a couple of the guys that um, are coming on a, on the campus. I know you, you talked about TJ Metcalf in the past. You were a little bummed that you didn't mention that he's related to DK Metcalf. So now you can get that in there and uh, tell us a little bit about some of the other guys. Yeah, I think that the number one thing, if you look at this list, which again is on hogbeat.com on the trough, our premium message board, it seems like Dominique Bowman, the new defensive backs coach, is really putting in work on the recruiting trail. Uh, obviously, these guys, just because they're coming doesn't mean like coming to a junior day or a prospect day doesn't mean they're actually going to commit. But the fact that you're getting some of these guys, I mean, I count one, two, three, four-star defensive backs, maybe, or no, three, maybe four four-star defensive backs that are coming in to visit this weekend. That doesn't even include TJ Metcalf, who's a 5.73 star. And as you said, is a cousin of DK Metcalf. So he's got good bloodlines there. Uh, he, there's also several other defensive backs that are coming in. 
uh, you know, there's a, a 2024 that Dominic Bowman uh, had recruited at Marshall, uh, making the trip all the way from Virginia. Uh, so it, it just seems to me that that's my number one takeaway is like, holy cow, Dominic Bowman is you know not wasting any time uh, getting this, you know, recruiting going. Uh, everyone was kind of worried about that because Sam Carter was such a good recruiter. Uh, and then also along those lines is, is Dallas Young, the, the 5.7 three-star commitment from Alabama uh, is going to be at Arkansas this weekend. He actually went to Ole Miss with a couple of his Alabama buddies uh, the last weekend. So you kind of worry like, oh gosh, is he going to maybe try to follow Sam Carter? Uh, but he is going to be in Fayetteville this, this coming weekend. Uh, that's a good thing to see. And then my other big takeaway is, is the 2024s. I mean, I know Alex touched on this and that you know, they hosted – uh, two of the top three overall players. And we're talking five-star players uh, this past weekend. They're also going to be bringing in a 6.0 four-star number 18 overall in that 2024 class, which is five-star range whenever they get around to giving out more five-stars. Kavion Henderson, another Alabama prospect, defensive end. He was here in January, and now he's coming back in March. Again, doesn't mean you're going to get him. But the fact that you're getting this caliber of athlete on campus multiple times, that says something because I don't remember, I don't remember Arkansas having this many high caliber players on campus that many times uh, in the past. So I, I, to me, the staff is, is recruiting their butts off and it's going really well so far. I know that the, the first Rivals 250 for the 2024 class dropped. Alex, have you had a chance to look at that? Yeah, I, I have. I know Hutch um, wrote a story about it, so I'm going to let him go a little bit more in-depth. But uh, just seeing where Arkansas is with some of these top, top-level kids, these top-talent kids is really you know, not something you were expecting uh, coming into last season, but certainly not a couple of years ago. Um, so that, that, I think, has to be a credit to Sam Pittman and what this staff's been able to do on the trail. Yeah, I'm actually hoping we get to talk to Sam Pittman later today and one of the things I'm going to ask him is if he's been surprised, like I'm, I'm curious if any of these 2024s have shown up on campus and Sam Pittman thought like, wow, I don't think that guy would have come to Arkansas my first year here because Arkansas was in a totally different, you know, stratosphere back then. I mean, they were coming off back to back two and 10 seasons. They just hired a career position coach. And then now all of a sudden they're bringing these guys in. I mean, we talked about, you know, two of the top three recruits in the country have already visited on the same day. Again, I don't think we can say that enough. That is incredible. Uh, they've also hosted the number seven overall recruit, DJ Lagway, a quarterback from Texas. He came during the season. Uh, I think I counted up like nine of the top 100 recruits have been on campus already. Uh, then several others, including a couple in-state guys. I mean, Braylon Russell's already committed. He's at number 187. Uh, Walker White, the quarterback from uh, Little Rock Christian, got Razorback bloodlines, has not been offered yet. Uh, but you have to imagine Arkansas would be in a good spot if they choose to recruit him. He's number 147. So that, that's just a just kind of a, a snippet already. This early in the process, they've already had that many high-caliber recruits on campus. So just to again, really shows the kind of level, uh, how much Arkansas has been elevated on the recruiting scene in a very short amount of time under Sam Pittman. All right, we're going to wrap this up. We're going to talk some Razorback basketball um, headed into the SEC tournament, and then we're going to talk some Razorback baseball as well, get you set for the weekend full of Arkansas sports here on the Hogbeat Hour. You're listening to the Hogbeat Hour with Andrew Hutchinson, Alex Trader, and Mason Choate on ESPN Arkansas on HitThatLine.com. Now, here's your host, Mason Choate. All right, we're back here on the Hogbeat Hour. The Hogbeat crew, Mason Choate, Andrew Hutchinson, and Alex Trader with you. Talking Razorback basketball this segment, so we got to go back to the Tennessee game because we haven't talked to you since. So, Arkansas lost 78-74. The game was not that close. Let's just be honest, like Tennessee dominated Arkansas most of the game, but somehow the Hogs stuck around. They they kept themselves in the game. And I mean, this is a team that doesn't go down without a fight, Hutch. No, I mean, they, they got down by 24 in the first half. I think they were down 21 at halftime, maybe. And they I mean, I, I was at the baseball game that day. And I just kind of was like kind of casually watching. And I said, like, oh, well, I guess I don't have to pay attention to the second half. 
And I just kind of kept it on in the background with peek over there. Like, oh, look, they're within 15. Oh, look, they're within 11. And then all of a sudden it's a single digit game down the stretch. And, you know, Arkansas, you could make a case, kind of blew it in the closing seconds because uh, J.D. Note uh, had the ball. Got, I think they got a rebound about 30 seconds left down to J.D. Note tries to throw it ahead to, to Devo Davis uh for a, a layup that would have tied the game, but he overthrew him for a turnover. Uh, then Tennessee missed a free throw, left the door open, and Arkansas had a, a chance to tie it with a three, and J.D. Note didn't, didn't connect. But still, I mean, the fact that they had a couple of looks in the closing seconds to, to tie or win, that is crazy considering they got down by so much in the first half. Uh, if they can play like they did in the second half, then I, it's, they're going to be tough to beat. The big story going into this game was Adis Tony was not going to play. Well, actually, wasn't he supposed to, like, play a few minutes and then he just ended up not playing the game? Yes, I mean, I don't think anyone knew that he was even hurt. Apparently, he got hurt with about three minutes left against LSU. I don't remember that, um, but he was hurt. He was supposed to be on a limited minutes, like five to seven minutes each half. And then come to find out, like right before tip-off, Eric Mosman finds out that, no, he can't go at all. And so he watched from the sideline in a boot. So that's unfortunate for Arkansas because now they're expecting him to probably not play in the SEC tournament. And moving, moving forward from there, you don't really know yet. But So he didn't play against Tennessee, but the Hogs still stuck around. You did see some names that you haven't seen in a while. K.K. Robinson and Jackson Robinson both played. They combined for about 11, 12 minutes. But, um, Hutch, do you think that was just you got you to gotta throw somebody in there? They were trying to figure something out at the time? Or do you think those were some meaningful minutes for those guys? I don't think you could really read too much into those guys playing. I think it was a matter of they were getting their butts kicked, and Eric Mosman said, you know what, screw it. We're going to put everybody in there and – we'll see if it could, it could help. And it really, it didn't. I mean, I, I was not particularly impressed with KK. Uh, Jackson Robinson did hit one three. I think he missed another. Um, so it, they, they did okay, not just terrible, but they're not going to take anyone's spot in the rotation. I mean, they, Eric Muslin basically said it the other day, even if Adis Tony is not able to play in the SEC tournament, which is still up in the air, uh, but didn't sound particularly encouraging the other day. Uh, but if he doesn't play, there's basically like a seven man rotation. Like, I mean, it's the other four starters that have been starting plus either Devo or Kamani uh, or Chris likes. So I think those are going to be the guys. I don't think either one of the, the Robinsons did enough in their minutes to, to warrant, you know, more playing time uh, in the postseason. Before we move on to uh, the SEC tournament, I just want to ask, it seemed like the final shot that J.D. Note took against Tennessee was the same exact shot that he took against Alabama. I know it wasn't, like, the exact same thing, but it was about the exact same thing. And I'm curious, you think that's what they draw up, or do you think that's just what happens, Hutch? Well, the difference between those two plays, the, the Alabama one was so frustrating because it was just a two-point game. And so he could have – I think it was, maybe it was even a one point game. All I know is like he could have gone, drove to the basket, drawn contact, made free throws, and it would have been fine. Like they didn't need a three pointer and he settled for that three against Tennessee. They needed a three and you could argue that there was contact on that play. Eric Musman was, was asked about it. If he thought there was a foul and he said no comment because he didn't feel like getting fined that day. Uh, and J.D. Note was asked about it, and he said, I definitely think there could have been a foul, but you just got to play through it. I mean, you're on the road. Uh, he just kind of chalked it up as that's part of the game. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, it, it's tough. I mean, could you have used him as a decoy and gotten a three for Stanley Amude or something like that? Perhaps. But J.D. Note is your dude. He is your SEC player, your candidate, although he didn't win, which I agree with. I think Oscar Shibway was the rightful winner of that award, but he was the guy that was being talked about in that conversation. So when you've got a guy like that, you want him taking the shot. You want Mason Jones taking the shot in, in Eric Musselman's first year. You want Moses Moody taking the shot last year. You want J.D. Note taking the shot this year, unless you can drop something where you get a wide open, fantastic look for Stanley Moody. 
but I doubt that would happen in the, in the closing seconds. That would have been pretty tough. So, I mean, I, I was okay with it, although I definitely understand the frustration from Arkansas fans. Okay. Um, but you mentioned it there, but uh, also J.D. Note, Jalen Williams, first team All-SEC. Um, Jalen Williams first – or Jalen Williams All-Defensive team as well. So, those are the honors. But let's talk about the SEC tournament. And, Alex, I'll finally bring you in on this. Um Arkansas, they're probably going to play LSU as long as LSU can beat Missouri. And I don't see how Missouri would beat LSU, but LSU is a team that they gave Arkansas a run for their money the last time they met there in Bud Walton Arena. Just like the Tennessee game, it felt like Arkansas just lost that game all game long. And against Tennessee, they did lose the game. But against LSU, they won. And so – I mean, it's kind of a crappy draw for Arkansas that you got to play that LSU team again. Hard to beat a team three times. Yeah, it is, and you get that familiarity. Arkansas does have the benefit of winning it at home as well as on the road, so it's not like it was a home-home split and you're having to, to see who the better team is on a neutral site. I think we can all kind of see who the better team is. Um, and this loss Saturday, it did look like it was going to be really, really bad uh, like Hutch said, coming out of the gate, like it, it almost looked unwatchable from just a casual trying to enjoy the game perspective because it, it was going to be, uh, it was all just talking about North Carolina and Duke. And and then you had the, uh, the 20 point game that you were watching, but what you did see was fight. And you also saw that in the Alabama game, Arkansas was down, down double digits in the second half of that one on the road as well. So I don't think you're going to get a team that quits um in any game no matter what it looks like going through the rest of the the postseason lsu is a tough draw because they do have that physicality down low and we saw that on display last time they played in bud walton arena but i i almost think that you use the tennessee game as a bounce back um just to get yourself right before the tournament you want to be able to pick up at least this lsu game because you will have to have a bit of a tougher draw going throughout the rest of the SEC tournament if you're able to win it. But at least getting that one get-right game um, to, to where you're kind of able to figure some things out before before the big dance is going to be a big deal from us. Yeah. I'm uh, Okay, so if Arkansas beats LSU, then they're probably going to play Auburn. I don't see Florida or A&M beating Auburn. So, uh, Hutch, I'm curious what you think. So, if Arkansas loses to LSU, they're one and done in the SEC tournament. I mean, that they're still going to the NCAA tournament, but if it's if they kind of get beat by what double digits, I mean, does that change your mind on anything? No, I, I to me, I think everything the regular season is what matters. I mean, I think Eric Musman almost has very similar Dave Van Horn feelings about the SEC tournament, where it's like we're not going to try to kill ourselves to win this thing. You know, they're not going to push Adis Tony back to, to play before he's ready. They're not going to do anything they wouldn't normally do to try to win a game just because it's the SEC tournament, because they have their eyes on the NCAA tournament. That's the one that matters. And so I don't think that they're going to, you know, anything that happens in that LSU game or Missouri, depending on how that result plays out, um, is going to change that. I, I feel like, I mean, now if, if Missouri did beat LSU and then they beat Arkansas, then I would be a little bit concerned because Missouri is terrible. And uh, that would be just devastating. That would probably knock you down a seed line. To me, if you lose to LSU, as long as you don't get blown out, I don't think you're going to drop a seed line. At least you shouldn't, in my opinion. I think they should be solidly a four in the NCAA tournament. Again, I'm not a bracketologist, so who knows? Uh, but that's kind of how I see it is that the SEC tournament, I don't think is going to move the needle one way or the other too much. Okay. I know you said you're not a bracketologist, but what if Arkansas beats LSU, beats Auburn, and then you're probably going to have to beat Kentucky or Tennessee in the championship. What if Arkansas wins it all? How high do you think that could possibly move them up in the NCAA tournament? In that scenario, I think they should be a three seed. I mean, that you can't tell me they, they shouldn't be because they would have already, I mean, they've already beaten those three teams at home. Then if you beat them on the, on a neutral site as well, and that would make you, let's see what they went 14 and two down the stretch. I want to say, uh, so that would make you 17 and two in your last 19 games. 
Whew, that that is that is really good. I don't care if you lost the posture in Vanderbilt. To me, that you should 100% be a three seed. Will they do it? Will they allow the SEC tournament to move the needle that much? I don't know. Uh, that's that's the great thing about March, and you never know what the bracket's going to hold. But in that scenario, I think they should bump up a seed line. Man, it's just crazy to sit here and think, like a, a month and a half ago ish. We were talking about, is this team even going to make it to the NCAA tournament? Now you're talking possibly a three seed. So uh, it's 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 really crazy, to be honest with you. Anyways, we're going to move on from basketball. we got to talk some Razorback baseball before we get you on your way. Um, of course, if you uh, if you want to hear more Razorback baseball talk, you can listen to the Diamond Hogs podcast. That is also on hogbeat.com. Um, so we'll talk about that next here on the Hogbeat Hour. You're listening to the Hog Beat Hour with Andrew Hutchinson, Alex Trader, and Mason Choate on ESPN Arkansas on HitThatLine.com. Now, here's your host, Mason Choate. All right, welcome back to the Hog Beat Hour. Mason Choate and Andrew Hutchinson with you here because Alex Trader hates baseball. That's right, I said it. Alex Trader hates baseball, so um, at him on Twitter and tell him he's a horrible person. So we're talking Razorback baseball right now, and uh, the Hogs playing Illinois, Chicago this weekend. We're not going to do a full in-depth preview of that because this episode comes out on Friday, and by then you'll have watched two games of Arkansas versus Illinois Chicago. So if you want to hear more about that series, um, and if you want to be calmed down by the voice of a baseball coach, go listen to the Diamond Hawks podcast because we, we talked about Illinois Chicago, and we had Kevin Bohannon, who knows his baseball. He knows Razorback baseball as good as anybody. And he helps to calm all the fans down who are freaking out, who don't understand baseball, and who think this Razorback team sucks. So, Hudge, uh, let's let's ask you. You're not a coach, but I mean, you know baseball. Maybe you can calm some people down right now. Yeah, I mean, it. You should never read too much one way or the other into these early season games. I mean, I've seen teams that went to Texas and beat three really good teams in a tournament type thing and then bomb out in 2016 and not even make the NCAA tournament. I've seen teams that really struggle early on. 2015 comes to mind where they were a bad team for the first half of the season and they end up making it to Omaha. So don't read too much into this. Now, that's not to say you can't make observations and, and have takeaways from, you know, the first 10 games of the season because you can. And the number one thing everyone's freaking out about is the offense. Are they going to be able to hit? That's a very valid question because so far it has not been pretty. I mean, they're hitting 254 as a team. Uh, that's really aided by a couple of really you know, big outbursts against you know, Nebraska, Omaha, and uh, southeastern Louisiana late in the series. So they're not, they're not hitting like you would expect. I mean, they've only got eight home runs in 10 games. A big reason of that is that the, the weather conditions they played in have just been miserable. I mean, it's been cold. The wind has been blowing straight in. Uh, Dave Van Horn at the Swatters Club earlier this week, at the very beginning of the Swatters Club, he said they've hit seven balls that would have been home runs had it not been for the wind. Then fast forward 45 minutes to the end of the, uh, the Swatters Club, he mentioned 10 balls that would have been home runs. I'm sure if we would ask him another hour later, he would have said 15. Uh, but it does seem like there have been some balls hit that should have left the yard both at Baumwalker Stadium and also down at Round Rock. Uh, and it just didn't happen because of the conditions. So, uh, again, I think it's too early to hit the panic button, but it's not too early to say, okay, is this team going to be as good offensively as we expected? Yeah, I, I talked to Michael Turner after last Friday's game, and he said that he thought he had three balls that were out of the park last Friday. And weather conditions, of course, <clears throat> that, that affects it. And so that, that is the unfortunate thing for Arkansas. It's a, it's a lineup that's probably going to hit for power more than anything. And if the weather conditions don't allow, then it turns into a lot of flyouts, and that does not turn into runs. So um, let's, let's look at the lineup, though, because you're probably – so Braden Webb probably out of the lineup and, unless you – unless he's going to come in in the ninth and play center field or something like that's, that's what you're going to get from Braden Webb right now. A guy that a couple of guys that we talked about on the diamond Hawks podcast a little bit, but I want to ask you Hutch, cause you're, you're an expert Peyton Stovall and Brady Slavens. These are two guys at the plate that really need to uh, start to carry their weight a little bit more. 
Um, I'm curious. The, the reason we pair them is because both of them can play first base. And uh, Slavin's, I think Robert Stewart and I agreed that he probably doesn't need to be playing in the outfield anymore. So what do you think about that? You think he's just going to be DH? Maybe at some point he gets moved over to first if they want to hold Stovall out of the lineup. What do you think that they, they, they're going to do with those two guys? I mean, they're going to be in the lineup. I'm not saying they need to be taken out of the lineup. I'm just saying both of them have been underperforming so far. Well, I think it's a very astute observation that uh, Brady Slavens is not an outfielder. Uh, he does not look very comfortable playing in right field, although I think that's a position he really wants to play because it would help his future a lot at the next level if he can be a power-hitting corner infielder or corner outfielder. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, he is – simply put, he's striking out too much. I think after one of the games – Oh, which game was it? Uh, can't remember, but I think Brady Slavens has struck out like three times and, and, Eric, and Eric Musselman, good Lord. Dave Van Horn mentions, you know, we've got a guy that, you know, we've got people that are just striking out too much, you know, not doing this, you know, a left-handed bat. Like he basically said Brady Slavens without saying Brady Slavens' name and called him out. And uh, I mean, he's got 11 strikeouts in 30 at-bats. That's just, that's just too many. That's over a third of your at-bats. And you got to be able to put the ball in play because if he does put the ball in play, good things happen, you know, because he, he's, he hits the ball hard. I mean, his exit velocities have to be among the, the highest on the team. Uh, so yeah, he, he's an interesting case on what you do with him. Uh, and then of course, you know, Peyton Stovall, man, I, it's just one of those things where as a freshman getting off to a really slow start, it really reminds me of Andrew Benatendi. His freshman year, he had some big-time struggles. He was a heralded guy that people thought was going to come in and just light the world on fire. Uh, same thing happened with Caden Wallace last year early on. Like, everyone forgets about it because he did so well in SEC play, but he really struggled in non-conference play early on before he turned it, you know, turned it on and got going. You really hope Peyton Stovall can have a similar turnaround like that, um, but I'm not sure. I mean, he, he's having to experience some some struggles for the first time in his career. This is a guy that just dominated the high school level. He dominated travel ball. He was a projected first-round pick, and now here he is in the SEC, and he's batting through the first 10 games of the season, 182. No one could have seen that coming, so – I think they're going to keep him in the lineup. They're going to keep him hitting leadoff, although I feel like they should put Zach Gregory there. Uh, but they're going to keep giving him chances because they want them, him to know that, that they believe in him. Let's uh, transition over to the the mound. I'm, I'm curious about the guys coming out of the bullpen, what you think. So it looked like for, for the first two weeks of the season, Cole Ramage was your guy, your number one guy out of the bullpen. And then again, southeastern Louisiana, he comes out. And uh, let me pull up the stats here. Let's see, Ramage, Ramage. He threw one inning uh, on Friday night, gave up two hits, three runs, three earned runs, walked two, struck out one, also had a wild pitch. So it was not the best outing for Cole Ramage. Um, I'm curious, do you still think that Ramage is going to be the number one guy out of the pen? Um, Evan Gray has looked good. Um, Evan Taylor has looked good. There, I mean, there's a lot of guys that who, who could come out of the bullpen and be good. We know Austin Ledbetter is going to start a game this weekend, but he looked really good out of the pen. Um, of course, you're only three weekends in, so it's a small sample size. But what do you think? Yeah, I mean, that, that outing by Cole Ramage was horrible. He didn't actually – he actually didn't record an out. Like, he came back and pitched the next day to pitch an inning. Uh, and so – I know a lot of fans were ready to take him out to the pasture and just do away with him and never let him see a baseball field ever again. But I think that's a little bit of an overreaction based on the one outing. And I think people have kind of heaped this unfair expectation of they saw what he did the first couple of weekends that it reminded them of a guy named Kevin Copps last year. And I think I made the comment to somebody that Cole Ramage is kind of like a great value Kevin Copps. He's not going to be – a guy that has an under one ERA and can pitch, you know, four innings Friday and four innings Sunday and not give up a single run. That's just not Cole Ramage. Now, can he pitch for you twice? Could he close Friday's game with an inning and then also pitch three innings on Sunday or something like that and be mostly effective? I think so. I think he could have a, a sub three ERA, which is good and maybe even very good but he's not going to be Kevin Copps. And I think some fans kind of expect him just because they're like, well, this guy 
sucks. So unless he's going to be Kevin Cox, we don't need to pitch him. I don't think that's going to be the case. I think he's still going to be one of your top bullpen arms. I'm not ready to sell completely on that. So uh, he's a guy that I look forward to seeing, you know, how he pitches moving forward. But yeah, I mean, they've got lots of young options. I mean, Brady Tiger looked really good in a save. I liked what I saw from him. You mentioned Evan Taylor has been really good, hasn't allowed a hit yet in three innings. Uh, so they, they've got some guys that they're trying to figure out kind of what their roles are going to be and how they can use them. And I just think it's too small of a sample size to really know exactly what that bullpen is going to look like moving forward. Yeah, it is a good thing that they have a lot of names, like you mentioned. I mean, one guy that I think of that, <clears throat> unfortunately, on the Diamond Hawks podcast, we recorded the uh, the entire episode, and then we realized the audio cord was not plugged in. So, but on, on the first take, I mentioned that uh, Nick Griffin is a guy that I wanted to see more because Dave Van Horn has talked about him, said he might be their closer. So. I mean, you watched him more in a fall ball than I did and some spring ball as well uh, prior to the season. What do you think of Nick Griffin? you think he can come out and make a make an impact? And, it, I mean, Damian Ward said he, says he wants to see him, but why aren't you seeing him if you want to see him? Well, he was going to pitch in the second game of last weekend's doubleheader against Southeastern Louisiana, but they run rolled and they didn't have to play the ninth inning. Uh, he was going to pitch then. Uh, but I do see him being a guy that could be a reliable bullpen arm. He's a guy they want to start in the future, but he's, he's coming back from Tommy John. It's about 16 months removed by now, but it takes a little bit of time. I mean, everyone remembers Isaiah Campbell uh, coming back from his injury. You know, it took him a little bit. His first year, he was very sporadic, couldn't get deep into games. And then his next year, he was a dominant starter. Could we see something like that from Nick Griffin? Possibly. But this year... I see him being, I don't know, if a, a closer. He could potentially be that, or he could be a guy that gives you, you know, one or two really good innings in the middle of the game. All right. Well, we don't have much time left, so I want to mention that all of our baseball content is going to be awesome over at hogbeat.com this weekend. Myself and Hutch, we're going to be covering it for you. Um, you can go over to the trough. We'll have the, the game threads updating you with everything going on. We'll have the scoreboard. And then we'll also have uh, the key takeaway stories from the games as well. Um, as I mentioned earlier, by the time you listen to this, you have watched two games, but they're supposed to play Saturday at two, and they're also supposed to play Sunday at uh, supposed to play Sunday at twelve thirty. If they don't play Saturday, it's not going to be a doubleheader Sunday because UIC's got a curfew. But um, be looking out for all that content over at Hogbeat.com, and uh, thank you guys for listening to the Hogbeat Hour.